This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 176 of Laravel News Podcast. Um, I'm being a little bit distracted here by Michael Dorinda's quite amazing hair. I got to tell you, folks, <laughs> we're not live streaming today, but you're going to wish we were because it looks incredible. So Liv uh, had a rainbow-themed birthday party, I think, and your hair mm-hmm. is rainbow, and it is literally rainbow. It is so bright is. and cheery and wonderful looking. It's so cool. It's good. I love it. I'm... Um... I'm really, really happy that it came out looking as good as it did. It really did. Because, I mean, I work from home, so it's not like I have to leave the house a lot and, and like, have people see it. So I said to the the stylist when they were doing it, you know, if, if it looks bad, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. But, um, yeah, it came out really good. So Liv had, a, as you said, a rainbow slash unicorn themed kind of party. So fun. And, and Re said, you know, she's got matching jumpers or jackets for us all to wear like rainbow. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not wearing matching like i don't like i i, I really dislike seeing <laughs> oh, families gosh. that wear matching things sure, i think sure. it's just horrible it's tacky so i'm like i'm not doing that that's stupid i'm gonna dye my hair in a rainbow instead so there you go love it it's um yeah it, i'm, it, I'm glad you went glad it came out good it really did because it um yeah it's nice it's it's starting to fade like it's been in there a week only and it's already starting to fade like in the t- i'm like well i knew I, mean, I always knew that was going to happen but yeah it it turned out really awesome though. So uh, have you shared any pictures on Twitter or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I tweeted about okay. it. Okay. So, yeah, the, you you can find it. I can put a link in the show notes if people want that. <laughs> Looks really nice. Speaking of really nice, thanks Honey Badger for sponsoring another show, episode one seventy six. We're gonna put in the books today, and we're so thankful for Honey Badger sponsoring another show. Honey Badger is error tracking, monitoring, and all sorts of other fun stuff for your Laravel projects. So if you happen to be running a Laravel project without error tracking, or heck, if you're unhappy with your current error tracking, uh, you should check out Honey Badger because it's pretty amazing. And they've sponsored us for a while here. So please go check them out. Uh, We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show. Shall we jump right into it? Laravel 9.28 released. Let's take a look at it and and, uh, and, and, uh, get into this one. Here we go. The Laravel team released 9.28 with console signal traps, test view data assertions, and prevent silently discarding fillable values. All right, so let's talk about this add view data assertions to test view. So Andrew Brown contributed three test view assertion methods to assert view data. So you may know that if you're in a controller and you're returning a view, that you can pass in data to that view that your blade component or your live wire component or your view component will take as props or you know use it to display it in some way shape or form well now in your tests you can view assert view has and then name a variable and so you can just assert that the view is getting that data or you can actually assert the key and the value. So you could assert the view has, and then as the first argument, pass the key name, and the second argument, pass the value, which they said Tyler in this case. Uh, I think that's a joke. And then on the next one, you have assert view has all. And again, you can pass in just the keys that you're interested in checking. So it's an array in this case, name and email, or you can pass a multi-value array, right? A uh, multi-dimensional array with name, 
Taylor email user at example.com. So you can test both the keys and the values. And then lastly, you have assert view missing, and it's going to be uh, a similar sort of thing there where you're not checking the values, obviously, because you're checking that they're missing. So you're just going to be passing in the key that you would have passed to the front end, and you're going to assert that that view value is missing. So that's pretty nice. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew Brown. I've needed those multiple times. Yeah. So that's really Definitely. nice. Absolutely. Okay. We also have a contribution by D. Nagy Gergo contributed a get intended URL method on the redirector class to get both and so to class to both get and set the intended redirect URL. So uh, you can say redirect arrow set intended URL and then you pass them over to food.com slash bar. And then you have a get intended URL, which will then return that value. I think the way that this works is it flashes a value to the session. And so if you're going somewhere, um, you can set the attended URL. So like, let's say, for example, you have like a middleware, I guess, or maybe a controller. I'm not sure. And you're trying to hit something and you're going to have to return them back to the auth page because they're not logged in. Well, you could set the intended URL. And then when you log them in, you can then get the intended URL that we're going to be going to and send them back to that location. I think that might be how it's done. I don't know for sure. You'll have to take a look at the pull request for more details. Uh, but that is a contribution by D. Nagy. There you go. Thank you. D. Nagy. There you go. Okay. Lastly, uh, actually, sorry. Second to last, we have eloquent mode to prevent silently discarding fills for attributes. So Taylor did talk about this a little bit. And uh, also Ralph J. Smith, who was a, a speaker at Laracon this year, talked about this as well, I suppose, or he contributed it. It's a model method to prevent discarding fills, even if a model is not totally guarded. So in this case, what you have is, and this is actually sort of one of the bangs against uh, people who like to use fillable. Uh, if you work on a code base that has fillable fields and you try to update a, a uh, property, on a model that is not in those fillable fields, it will just fail. It will just fail to update that value in your database, but it won't tell you anything about it. It just fails to update it. So this has been the cause of many junior developers, woes, and senior developers as well, I suppose, where you you add a value in your migration and you know you go update your forms and you go update your tests and for some reason it's not filling in or maybe you didn't do a test and now it's not filling in and you had, you didn't, you had no clue. Um, so basically what this does is it allows you to, in your app service provider, probably you're going to say model double colon prevent silently discarding attributes. And then what this will do is this will make it so it throws an exception uh, with a really nice error message in the case that you're trying to fill a value in for a item, uh, sort of for a key that's not in your fillable array on your model. Now, what's the argument for this? The argument for why it would have silently failed previously is if someone was accidentally or maybe intentionally trying to pass in a value that you were not interested in filling in in the model, uh, you might just say like, you know what, it was probably an accident. Let's just go ahead and ignore that and continue to let the code pass. And in this case, even in this, so they also have a suggestion here where you can allow this to happen only if the app is not in production, because the argument that you can pass here is actually a truthy value, right? So you could say if the app is not in production, then fail it. Otherwise, don't fail it. So uh, you could do that as well. But that's how it used to work. This is how you can now set it yeah. up to work. And I think it's be be helpful for people. It's kind of like that sort of like that non-eager loading thing, you know? It's like one of those little yeah. things that you'd want to know before you send it out to the world. I think the the key was especially like Taylor demonstrated this at, at Laracon Online was that 
if you didn't have a default value for some field and so you were passing this through it was being dropped and then you were getting like a database exception saying that there's no no value for whatever because it wasn't in the fillable array so it was being dropped it was hitting your database and your database was going well i don't know what to set for like this this value in the table so it throws back the exception that there's no default for it so by having this prevent silent silently discarding attributes method it will go, okay, you're sending us something that's not in the fillable array, so we're going to throw an exception. Um, and, it, and and so it will then tell you, you know, that this is a, a value that's not in the fillable array. And so it'll give you more context around that mass assignment protection rather than hitting the database and then you scratching your head. Um, and depending on where you are in your developer journey, you know, if you're, if you're newer, you might be scratching your head for a lot longer than, you know, as someone that's been at it for a bit longer and goes, oh, yeah, I need to add this to the fillable array and all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, it's definitely a, a huge improvement in that regard, especially in development. Yep, for sure. Okay, we've got two more items here. I lied earlier when I said last one, and then I lied when I said second to last one. I've got two mm-hmm. more, so here we go. First one is signal traps. So Nuno Maduro contributed the introduction of signal traps that allow you to catch process signals and execute code when they occur. So if you've ever been on the command line and you're running some process and you press Control-C and you just sort of like early terminate end that process... It's going to send a signal that you can now catch inside of your commands. So the way that you do this is you call inside of one of your commands, this, dollar sign this, arrow trap, and then you're going to specify the different signals that you're interested in being alerted on. So there's sig int, sig term, and sig quit. Now, I don't, I feel like sig term, like terminate, and sig quit, maybe that's like the control C or control D or whatever. I'm not sure what sig int is. Do you know what that is? It's just signal... Uh, interrupt? Maybe it's interrupt. Sig- yeah, interrupt. Um, so you've got like control C and then you've got control Z, which like sends it to the background and, and sig quit, which will kill the, the kill the process. So Gotcha. So in any, in any one of those situations, what you can do is you can trap that signal and then you can run a closure when that happens. And then there's also a this continue and you can say continue uh, equals false or... Uh, this running equals false, or you can dump stuff out, or you can do whatever you want to do. So like if for some reason you had previous to this point created some files, you could clean up those created files before you just, you know, execute or just exited the whole command, right? So you can kind of end these jobs mm. gracefully. Um, so that's kind of nice. Good job, Nuno. Yeah. Uh, we've got also last one here, support passing innumerable objects to stringable methods. So Eric Gall contributed the ability to pass these innumerable objects to stringable helper functions. So enum objects are now a addition in 8.1, PHP 8.1. So previously, what you would have had to do is you'd have to say string remove. And then as the first argument, you'd have to say months, uh, which is an enum, to array. And that would sort of give you the options in an array. And then you'd have to remove some string. But now you can just say string remove months as just an enum. And it's going to go ahead and handle that that enumerable object automatically uh, as the first argument. And then you can just remove some string as the second argument there. So the string helper now allows you to pass enum objects to those helper functions. There we go. Nice. That's uh, that's it. We've got additions, fixes, and changes in all the show notes and in the GitHub change log as well. So you can check those out if you're interested. That is 9.28. Excellent. Next up, we've got... Uh, Laravel 9.29 and .30, which came with a read-only file system option, a scoped file system driver, and the ability to discard model changes and more. 
So first off the bat, Frank de Jong contributed to, uh, added a contribution to configure a file system disk to operate in read-only mode. And this will ensure that no operations are possible on the disk, which is useful when accessing storage you want to ensure doesn't manipulate any files. So this is um, something that you can do if you have access to some files that are like populated from a third-party system. Maybe you've got some external thing, you know, users are dropping CSV files into a shared you know, shared storage that you don't want to be able to edit from your application, but you still want to be able to read them. So this, you know, gives some assurance that you're not accidentally doing that kind of stuff. In addition, Frank DeYoung also contributed a scoped file system driver, which enables a way to reuse disk configurations. Um, so this allows you to basically, I guess, I, this looks like it's doing extending from other drivers. So you can, like if you've got S3 and then you've got a different path. So if you've got different, object roots in your S3 bucket, for example, you can then override using the the scoped driver, maybe just the prefix, rather than have it, having to copy and paste, you know, all of your key and secret and region and bucket and all, the, all that stuff again. Um, so you just give it a driver, which is scoped. You give it the the options that you want to override and then you pass it a disk key. And that that is essentially the, the other file system configuration that you want to um, expand from. Or extend from. And then I'm guessing just any of the other values that you would uh, push on there would be overriding the items from the other one, right? right. So yep. the things you'd probably end up copying is key, secret, region, maybe bucket. But yeah, the rest of them would probably be unique or something like that. But that is yep. really helpful, actually. That's something we'll definitely use. And, and this is helpful like when you have... Okay, so it used to be... Sorry, do you mind if I take a quick aside here? Go for it. Okay. So... It used to be that for us, I mean, we've got a bunch of file systems that we have to access. And so it used to be that we would have a separate configuration, AWS secret, AWS key, whatever, for each one of those. So what we were doing mm-hmm. is we were enabling API keys directly on the resource itself. Um, and we found that to be really difficult to ever rotate keys because you never knew where those keys were getting used. They were just kind of mm-hmm. everywhere or a couple different places, yeah. maybe. So what we started doing instead is you have a resource and then you have over an IAM, which stands for what? Identity Access Management, right? You have you have a each app has its own IAM user. And then what you do is instead of directly assigning API values or API keys to those resources, you instead put a policy in between. So you have a policy that says you have admin mm-hmm. access to this one S3 bucket. And then all you do is that a user that you created in IAM, you then attach that policy to that user. So now you have a single set of credentials, whatever the app API keys are for that user. And then whatever policies you've attached to that user, they now can access multiple buckets. So it's the same mm-hmm. access key, same secret, or sorry, you know, same key, same secret, probably same region most of the time. But that gives you the ability to do different buckets and different root URLs without having to change a bunch of stuff. So this is, we we, yeah. we do this already. We had our own custom driver to do some of this, but this is really nice. It's now included by default. So thanks, Frank DeJong. Yeah. Uh, next up, James Brooks contributed a dash dash force flag to all of the make or all of the generated commands, which is helpful when you need to recreate a file. So before I think it would just like throw an exception or say that, you know, this thing already exists. So if you pass dash dash force to your make model command, like maybe you want to recreate a migration file or you want to recreate something, you just want to start over, then this is a a useful little contribution. Next up, Pascal Baljet contributed a required if accepted validation rule, which ensures the field under validation is required if another field is accepted. So if it's a yes or a on or a one or a true, um, this will be, allow you to do something like, you know, if you say in your payload, 
is underscore company, you say that's a required Boolean field. And then company underscore name is required if accepted is underscore company. So that means that you've got that that double validation rather than having to dip into like validator after or, you know, those other kinds of extension points, you can do it all within your validation rules array, which is really nice. Mior Muhammad Zaki contributed a discard changes method to discard attribute changes and reset attributes to the original state on your eloquent model. So if you were, you know, partway through, you know, making changes to a model and some error occurred, you know, if you want to make sure that you get rid of all of those dirty um, attributes, they're referred to as dirty within the context of eloquent. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying You were saying they're dirty, yeah. The dirty, those dirty attributes. Those dirty um, attributes. So this this discard changes um, will basically revert any changes that you've made in the in the in the in that request cycle. So that's that's a handy little one there as well. And last up, Andrew Minion contributed the ability to determine if attachments exist or are that uh, determine if attachments are included in a malleable object. So you get three new methods um, to do this to help make assertions in your tests. So you've got. Um, a mailable has attachment, a mailable has attachment from storage disk, and a mailable has attached data if you wanted to test raw attachments. So thanks to everyone for all of those contributions. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, um, Laracon Online, Taylor went through in his uh, presentation the state of Laravel and all of that kind of stuff in, in a bit more detail. And obviously with visual aids, definitely check that out, which is the next thing that I've got in the show notes actually is just to touch on Laracon online. I know that you had a viewing party. We did uh, where you were. Uh, had some photos because obviously I was asleep when this was all happening. We've, yeah. we've we made the big time. We got featured in Canico's. We did talk there. Yes, we did. Yeah, that was which fun. Is, uh, which Rondos. was nice. It was nice. It was nice to have the, the the community sort of coverage, like very specifically talking about you know the meetups and the the resources that are in the community. Talking about Laracars, talking about the Laravel meetup that that Freak runs, talking about the the Laracons uh, around the world. You know, Laracon EU is coming back. Laracon India is happening for the first time in an official capacity. We've got the Laravel Live UK, which is which is a it's like an unofficial official Laravel event that they hold over there. And um, Laracon AU is is going to make a a resurgence in in twenty twenty three. So, you know, it's, it's nice to, to kind of hear about all of that. And and hat tip to, um, I think it's Mark Snape and, and um, you know, Bobby. And there was one other person that I saw on like the Laracast leaderboard. You know, these all of these people, Christoph and, and anyone else whose name I forget from Canico's presentation, just we're always, and I think Matt, Matt Stauffer was quoted, you know, the, the community is always looking to push more, more free content, more learning resources. I know, I know that there's like, Lots of people putting out paid content now as well, um, and pushing the envelope. But the, but that's like you know reinforcing all the the free stuff that people give. Absolutely, you know, all yeah. of all of the amazing content and tutorials and packages and and all of the stuff that we get, um, really is what makes the Laravel community the Laravel community. And so, it was nice to have that that kind of touch uh, as part of like the formal conference, which was which was good. So shit, hat tip to Kanako there. But um, yeah, definitely check out. Laracon online it's it's like a 10 hour stream but everything is chapter marked so if you want to go and see specific presentations from the day you can go and do that i've been dipping in and out to different ones um heard good things about aaron francis talk um always always happy and excited to see matt stauffer talk it was nice to have him back uh watch taylor's talk of course because you know we need to know what's going on with laravel so uh, yeah as i said everything's chapter marked you can find your way through it pretty easily 
And uh, I spoke with Ian earlier and he said that the, the subtitles will be coming. It usually takes uh, a, f- a few days just because there's, you know, a 10-hour video for them to go through and, and subtitle in, in one hit. So um, once that's done, that'll be up. Uh, but we'll have links to the Laracon Online live stream uh, replay in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll just highlight a couple of my favorites here too while we're on the topic. I really liked the first talk uh, by Kai Sesnowski. Not quite my type. Mm-hmm. We talked about narrowing types down. So like if you're passing a string and it's like you want to be able to pass an invalid state, it's like it's not really a string. It's actually a discount. So it's like a float or it could be an integer, but it can't be less than zero and it can't be greater than 100 because it's a discount. So it's like you're creating a type for that. Anyway, it was really interesting. thought it was great. Uh, the future of Livewire was super exciting with Caleb version three coming up just around the corner. That was really, really cool to see. Uh, Marge Holmstrom Sabo, Sabo, she's from Titan. She's been running a lot of uh, stuff over at Titan for a long time. She's been on that team. I usually sort of shy away from the soft talks. I don't know why. You know, I just like the technical talks. Mm. This was awesome. She nailed it. She really did a great job, kept it super interesting, super relevant, and really good illustrations. She just did a really good job. Like, it was literally one of the best soft talks I've ever heard. Uh, the second, well, I think it would be second best only to I'm trying to remember the guy who gave a talk on like he was a Twilio developer anyway on like ADHD back in Louisville. It's freaking amazing. I wish I could remember the name of the yeah. guy. I'll come. I'll, I'll try and share, share it in the show notes. Anyway, let's see what else. Deep drive into carbon. Ralph Smith, uh, his first talk ever. That was really really good. Component testing with Cypress and UI testing with Cypress was really cool by Marcel. Of course, Matt Stauffer, Taylor, Aaron Francis, those guys always kill it. So yeah, really, really good stuff. I would definitely uh, definitely check it out. The first half of the day was my favorite. Maybe by the end of the day or by the second half of the day, I was just getting a little bit tired. But um, mm-hmm. oh, also Luke Downing killed it as well. Valid variance of, val- of validating validation. It was, yeah, it's a mouthful, but it was it was really good. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was our, our part. And uh, yeah, we had a good good little viewing party there. Did some axe throwing. The night before, we didn't lose any fingers. So that was good news. Good, um, good. And then one of the other things that was released uh, at Laracon Online was Laravel Bootcamp. So this is a brand new uh, learning site from the Laravel team. So this is made by the Laravel team. This is not like a paid content person. Somebody pushed this out there. No, no. It was Jess Archer, I believe, did a lot of work on this one. Uh, so it's sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure style where you build a new Laravel app with either Vue or React, either one. And they're using Inertia as well. So as you follow the tutorial, you can be, be, begin by installing Breeze, uh, sorry, Laravel, then Breeze, then jumping into making models, routes, and all that other stuff. Uh, it was announced yesterday in the, yesterday at Laracon Online, which was when this <laughs> post was written. But the goal was to help developers that are new to the framework get up and going quickly. So you should definitely check it out. I think it's bootcamp.laravel.com. Uh, so really, really well done. Yeah, it looks great. I haven't had a chance to go through it yet, but I'm looking forward to doing so. Because if I'm being really honest, I tried Inertia once, like when it was brand new, brand, brand mm-hmm. new. And I didn't really have an application in mind when I was using it. I was just kind of like trying to go, trying it up. And um, so anyway, I would really like to give it another shot and just see see what it feels like now, now that it's been, I mean, a couple of years since then. So uh, if you haven't got a chance to check this out, go ahead and do so. Or if you're looking for some friends to recommend uh, to try Laravel, this would be a good spot for them to get started. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the thing to keep in mind with this is that the boot camp is not for new developers it is for developers that are new to laravel and i think if you put yourself in that mindset it might make it a bit easier to get like there's some level of x like it tells you how to get started with a laravel application but there's some uh assumed knowledge when when you jump in jump into this so 
keep that in mind. Um, it's view and react at the moment. There will be a, like a Livewire version, Taylor mentioned, once version three of Livewire is is released and go from there. So definitely check that out. I think the other thing is that like when you're doing this bootcamp, there's some expectation that you might run into some errors. And when your code is going to have those errors written by amazing developers such as yourself, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. And they'll send you alerts in real time with all the context you need to see what's causing those errors, where they're hiding, so you can quickly fix them and get on with your day. And with the included uptime and cron monitoring, this also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. So you can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because by being a self-funded business, it means they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. And look, let's face it, if you're going through a bootcamp, you want to keep things moving as quickly as possible. So definitely check them out. As I said, honeybadger.io. Awesome. Thanks, Honey Badger. Nice uh, segue there, Mr. Dorinda. You're getting better segue. and better. I never know when they're coming. It's just like all of a sudden I'm in the middle of a sponsor read. You tricked me again. <laughs> all right, folks, we've got some packages we're going to be talking about here. So let's start with Laravel Haystack. This is a package for beautifully simple but powerful database-driven job chains. Uh, an overview of what's available is taken from the package readme, and I will do my very best to explain uh, this code here. And... I'm going to I'm going to reserve any other comments until I'm done through this. So here we go. All right. So you're going to start with Haystack double colon build. So you're going to use the name of the program or the name of the library Haystack. You're going to tell them you're going to build it. And then you're going to say with name, give it a name, podcast chain. And then you're going to add a job, record podcast, add another job, process podcast, add another job, publish podcast, then. And then when you uh, say then, that's going to be something that's going to uh, execute when the Haystack has been completed. Or you can have a catch. Similar to this feels similar like to like um, you know, like Axios, right? You're gonna go do this thing and mm-hmm. then then and then a catch, whatever, right? I guess just JavaScript in general here, right? So a catch would run when your haystack fails, or finally is going to always run either on success or fail. You can have a pause as well, which will run if the haystack is paused. I suppose that would be like if there was too long between two jobs getting run, or maybe it's possible to pause it itself. Uh, and then you have with middleware. So you can apply middleware to every job if you'd like to. You can also chain on a delay. And then after you've set all of that up, you can dispatch. So what this allows you to do is store job chains in the database. This helps make memory consumption low and supports all of Laravel's queue types out of the box. Some of the other main features include low memory consumption as one job is processed at a time, not all of them at once. And the chain is stored in the database so you can check on the progress of it. You can delay or release jobs for as long as you want since it'll use the scheduler to restart a chain, even if your driver is SQS because it uses the database, not your queue delay, right? Provides callback methods like then, catch, and finally. Global middleware that can be applied to every single job in the chain, a delay that can be added to every job in the chain. You can store and retrieve data that is accessible to every job in the chain, and you can store the model for later processing. So like you can do things like pausing the haystack if your job hit, chain hits an API and, and rate limits, right? So that's pretty cool. So like if you're in the middle of the job and you hit a rate limit, you can just say, yep, 
pause, pause for a minute. And so you can have this thing that runs when it gets paused to alert you maybe, hey, by the way, we're rate limited for this thing. So you're going to have to wait for a couple of minutes. The jobs are going to be delayed. So Laravel already has job chains, right? This is something you may not be aware of, but like a couple of years, maybe it was a year and a half ago, something like that. Maybe it was just a year ago. They talked about job chains where you could do this. This is not like something being added to Laravel. It's, it's native to Laravel. Laravel has job chains, but you could consider this package for batched jobs. Uh, so check out the README for full details of what differentiates this package from the built-in chaining abilities and learn more about this package and get full installation instructions in the show notes. There was also one other thing that the Laracon Online uh, first speaker, Kai uh, Sosanowski, he actually has a package called Laravel Venture. I think it's what it's called. And mm. it's it really th- this this package, the the README sounds like it almost goes from this package venture. So what this does is it manages complex async workflows in your Laravel application, but it doesn't just do like a single chain. You can have jobs that depend on other jobs so they can kick off like asynchronously. So you maybe have a couple things that depend on other things. Uh, we, we should throw it in show notes. It's laravel-venture.netlify.app is where you can find the, the, uh, the README for it. So if yeah. you're look, if you're looking at this one and you're like, okay, that's good, but my process is a little bit more complicated. Venture is probably what you want. I think that this would probably suffice for most people. This package we just talked about, but in the mm-hmm. case that it is more complicated, I think Venture would be a good one for you to check out too. Yeah, this this Venture thing is interesting. It would have been nice like three jobs I, ago when I was I know doing this I kind of workflow stuff. Totally, because <laughs> you guys would do that. Like you'd you'd uh, upload and then transcode and then you download and then mm-hmm. all, all sorts of craziness, right? right? Yeah. yeah, we were doing. Basically, we this was exactly what we had, and and the like the core concept behind that was called a workflow for us as well. So yeah, thanks, Kai. It's uh it's about six years too late, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Kai. All right, uh, poor Kai. Next up, the Laravel Package Tools package by Sparsi added a nifty feature that we wanted to share with the community, which is to streamline install commands for Laravel packages. Now, the Laravel Package Tools is is this. Because Sparsi creates like a million packages a week, a million a week. They've got they've got this their, their own package tools thing, which which kind of makes the the process of creating a, a service provider and saying like I've got migrations and config files and all of that kind of stuff. It wraps it up into a nice little the, the developer the developer experience is nicer if you in, you know extend from this service provider. This thing, this this new feature that they've added for streamlined install commands, basically takes away the typical workflow where you have to have instructions in your readme file that tells you, you know, you've got to go publish the config files and run migrations and all of this kind of stuff. You can now do this with a dedicated install command. So if you were to say package name has config file has install command and pass it a closure that receives an install command object, um, you can then say command publish config file, publish migrations, ask to run migrations, copy, like you've got all of this, um, this pending object kind of fluent interface where you can specify all of the the different methods that that need to be run, and that way, when when you have a user install your package, they can run you know package colon install, and then it'll do all this stuff for you. Like it'll automatically publish the config file, it'll automatically publish the migrations, it'll ask the user, "Do you want us to run these migrations for you now?" and all that kind of stuff. So, um, using a dedicated install command, the users only need to run one command instead of manually copying and pasting stuff out of the readme and whatever else. Um, there's also a feature that includes a start with and end with method to add custom functionality to your install command. So um, if if you're in the business of creating packages, if you want to make it easy for your users to install these things, 
definitely check it out. Um, it's it's much nicer to use this kind of abstracted interface if you're doing that rather than having to like copy and paste the all of these different bits and pieces um, manually, both for your users and for yourself. So definitely check it out. Um, I've used the package tools package in a couple of places in the past and it's definitely made my life easier as a package maintainer. So maintainer? Maintainer. maintainer. So uh, check it out. Yeah. Maintain, yeah. Uh, we will have links to that in the show notes. Yep, love it. That is really, really good. I've uh, I've struggled the same trying to get those set up right, and so that makes it really nice. This next package is also one that's super relevant to me right now. Uh, there was just a new ruling. There's always a new ruling, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is like EU. I feel like a lot of the laws that had started over in the EU, which I can't remember what it was called now. You remember the one that like required all the cookies? GDPR. Thank you, GDPR, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. A lot yeah, of those have sort stuff. of, even if you're not in the EU, EU, made their way over to wherever you might live, right? So the US is adopting a lot more like consumer protection, privacy laws and things like that, which is great. It's all it's all good, but a lot of us are now having to sort of react to some of that. It's maybe been a little bit more slow. If you're a person in the US whose company only really deal, deals with US customers, you haven't maybe had to have do any things with GDPR. Mm-hmm. However, like I said, a recent ruling uh, that deals with our particular sector of business with like financial institutions and financial customers requires a lot more sensitivity around uh, non-public information for our customers. So this Laravel scrubber, as a Laravel package to scrub sensitive information that breaks operational security policies from being leaked on accident or not by developers. So you can use the package in a couple ways. Uh, And also you might be familiar with this, like if you have a error tracking service and the error tracking service has like these uh, block block list items that it will always obfuscate Mm -hmm. if it gets sent through like password, token, whatever, you know, it'll take those things out of a payload. So it never actually gets stored on their side. I'm guessing this is sort of like that. So the package detects log messages. Oh, whoa, no way. And context patterns and scrubs them. So if you say log info, some message, and you say context equals, and in there you have some sort of like, I don't know, maybe it's a social security number. Maybe it's the address of somebody, whatever. Uh, Or a, a jot token, whatever it might be. You would then be accidentally disclosing that information. We actually had this happen one time with passwords. We were trying to log if somebody had a failed login. And it would kick mm-hmm. out the password that they were sending in in the log file. We never saw it, like we until we were like looking, you know, six months later and realized that there was like. I mean, this was years ago, but you know, it happens, right? It it can happen accidentally. Uh, so you can use uh, the scrubber to make sure that that does not happen. So you say scrubber process message, and then you pass in the values that you want to send through, and it will automatically go through and take out any data that is uh, deemed to be sensitive. It provides customization options such as configuration uh, for the replacement message, which I think by default is star star redacted star star. Uh, or you can add custom regex scrubbers. So if you have information that's uh, you know relevant to your particular domain that you need to have scrubbed out, you can create your own regex scrubber and it will take care of making sure that those values get redacted before they ever get to your logs or anywhere else. So very cool. Uh, that's created by Your Creative, Y-O-R Creative, and you can find it on GitHub at Your Creative slash Laravel dash Scrubber. Pretty cool. Yeah, this is cool. There's there's also a feature coming in PHP 8.2, which is due to release in November that, that does this kind of thing as well, where you can use really? um, attribute notation on your oh, very cool. um, function arguments and things like that. So there's like a, a pound square bracket sensitive parameter. Yeah. And that will then essentially scrub that from appearing in any backtraces in That's any genius. Um, Great idea. places like that. 
So you can that'll that'll be out uh, as I said November. But definitely check it out. We'll we'll include a link to more details on that in the show notes as well. Man, I'm not even on eight point one yet. <laughs> I know we were we were just talking about um getting our app from seven point four up to eight point one and and being on a more recent version of Laravel. And I'm like, you know, eight point two is going to be out in a month and a half. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. <laughs> Yep. So we're on, um, we're yeah. on 8.0 and Laravel 9 and all, but I think we're on 8.0 on all of our apps, Laravel 9 on all but two of our apps. And so 8.1 is probably mm-hmm. the next one. It's, it's an undertaking yeah. though. 8.1 isn't too bad. It's it just is. the packages is the problem, you know, right. if they're not compatible yeah. with 8.1. But I don't think there's too many breaking changes between 8 and 8.1. So anyway. No, 8 and 8, 8, and 8, 8 and 8.1, not so bad. 8.1, 8.2 will be fine. Um, but yeah, 7.4 to 8 is a, yeah, bit, that's, of a, it's a tough one. bit of a chasm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Laravel Receiver, which is a drop-in webhook handling library for Laravel that makes handling incoming webhooks easy, and it has built-in support for GitHub, HubSpot, Postmark, Slack, and Stripe webhooks. The built-in providers are also secured using each provider's prescribed verification method, i.e. signatures. Yeah. And the package takes the pain out of the setup and boilerplate about handling the request, which lets you focus on code for handling the webhooks in your business logic. Receiver also makes it easy to define custom providers that work with webhooks from any source. Once you specify webhook providers, you can handle them using conventions provided by the package and handler classes, which you can also send to a Laravel queue for processing. The package takes care of the controller code, so the heart of your integration with this package should be within handlers. So before you might create like a, a Stripe controller or a Stripe webhook controller and a GitHub webhook controller and a Slack webhook controller and whatever else. So this package will give you like the single endpoint for every webhook. And you just say like, go That's post the slash webhooks. Yeah. And then then you've got these handler classes which know what to do with the events when they come in. So they know it's come from GitHub. So they'll send that to the, you know, GitHub repository created handler. They know that like you've got a, a Stripe webhook that comes in for a customer created. So they know that that needs to go to the Stripe customer created handler and things like that. So this is really interesting if you have an application where you need to handle multiple webhooks. You might have used the the Sparsy Laravel webhook client, which gives you the ability to kind of configure these things to say like, okay, I'm I've got a a configuration for Stripe and a configuration for GitHub, but this this package receiver gives you like the handlers out of the box ready to go. So definitely check that out if you want a, a quick little shortcut to get things up and running. Absolutely, yeah, really really cool. We've and so and and also if you've not dealt with webhooks at least in any way that you need to think about seriously is some, some of what it's talking about here too is each one of the different pr- providers has their own verification method i feel like maybe there's not like a uh set preset standard for how you verify mm-hmm. that a webhook is actually coming from the provider that it's saying it's coming from so typically what that looks like is they'll give you a token that they'll send along with it right but sometimes it's other methods right there might other there might be some other verification method some other signature that they would use to basically verify the payload and so this package looks like it handles all that automatically, right? For GitHub, HubSpot, Postmark, Slack, Stripe. I would imagine like if you're using something like Twilio or what as well, you know, that would be mm-hmm. something that they could write in pretty easily or you could write yourself so that the handler, you know, by the time it gets in to you, it's already been validated that it has been from, you know, it's validated that's from the provider. Because there's nothing to stop somebody from just smashing an endpoint of yours, you know, webhook endpoint with crappy data and getting you to do something stupid. So there you are. Okay. Uh, let's talk about getting helpful information uh, about models in Laravel. So model info is a package by Spassi 
to get information on all the models in your Laravel projects. This package is helpful if you're building functionality where you need to programmatically inspect models. For example, you can access many important details like the database table name, attributes, relationships, and more. And one of the fantastic features noticed in this package is getting all the models in your project by just doing model finder colon colon all. So what this allows you to do then is you can say, uh, you know, that's model finder colon colon all will give you all of the different models and all the different stuff. However, typically what you're probably going to do is model info colon colon four, then you're going to pass in the name of the class name of the model that you're interested in. So like post double colon class, then what you can do is you can say arrow attributes or arrow relations or arrow attributes first, uh, and then you can grab name. This would allow you to, like you said, like programmatically inspect these different things. I actually had a project recently where I was, I was wanting something like this, where I wanted to actually get across, I wanted to get across all of the different models and pull all of them that had like this one particular attribute, right? And I could do like a control, you know, command shift F, find all of the ones and, and then try and kind of dig through the code a little bit to see if they had that particular attribute. But this is really nice. You could just do that model finder colon colon all, and then you could do a filter and grab anywhere they have attribute of PHP type or something, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, so that would nice. be really handy in that case, especially if you have like hundreds of models you're dealing with. So cool stuff. All right. I think yeah. that's it for packages. That's all we've got for yeah. packages. We've got a tutorial here, and uh, then you can close this out, Michael. Let's see what we got. Yeah, yeah we just got the one tutorial from Steve this week. This is a tutorial on BDD or behavior driven development in Laravel. It's a popular testing approach in many organizations and has a proven track record for uniting testing efforts across teams. But the question remains how can we achieve this in Laravel without having to learn a new framework for testing or new language syntax such as Gherkin? So this follows like a given when then kind of scenario. And 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 the benefit I think for behavioral driven development is that you can have like your BA team or your product team come to you and say like these are the scenarios that need to pass in order for for, for the feature to be complete um, and, that, and that means that they can define the acceptance criteria you write the code you write the test and send it back and say well all the tests that you have given us are passed so you know it does what it's supposed to do um, so this tutorial talks about using the given when then approach and using the given when then plugin for pest so pest php being the the testing framework and how you might put this all together. So as with all of Steve's tutorials, I refuse to read on there because they're too long. Definitely check this out if this is of interest to you, particularly if you're in a team that um, is trying to figure out, you know, how do we engage with our business to to better define our acceptance criteria and how to, you know, prove that that works and, and things like that. So definitely check it out. We'll have links to it in the show notes. But other than that, that is all that we have for this episode. That's it, folks. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. This was episode 176. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 176. Five stars in your podcatcher of choice would be incredibly appreciated. We so much think, uh, are so thankful when people leave us little reviews and we love to read them and hear about all the fun things you have to say. Of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. Until next time, folks. See you later. Bye. Bye.